Shannon Googerty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you for having me. This is my first podcast ever, so I am, I guess I'll always remember this one, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think you should do a lot more because you have so much to offer people. You have a great story. Um, for those of you that don't know uh, who Shannon is, Shannon is a former UFC fighter. He is my jiu-jitsu coach and the owner of Rise Above Jiu-Jitsu, and he is a very high-level black belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh, somebody I consider a great mentor and uh, basically family. So uh, wanted to have you on the podcast. You're the first person in the new studio uh, with the new stuff. So excited awesome. for that. Congratulations. I mean, you're an awesome person yourself, Kevin, and I'm proud to have you as a student and a friend. And uh, you inspire me just as much, I think, as I inspire you. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so tell everybody a little bit about you and your history in the UFC, fighting, all of that. All right. Well, um, it started back, I think, my story or starting to train because I didn't just think one day I was going to be a UFC fighter and just start jumping right into, uh, you know, a cage after that. Yeah. Um, I think I started uh, training MMA right after I graduated high school. Maybe even my senior year of high school, I started training MMA. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I have two brothers, one older, one younger. So plenty of training partners in the house right there to start with. And uh, my older brother was the one who got me into wrestling and he basically made me wrestle. I was more of a soccer player actually in that time. But um, ironically, I, I, I would get in more fights than my brother, um, but he would always beat me up at the house, you know, or when we would, you know, kind of fight, you know, he would get the better hand of me. But um, so I guess that kind of like triggered me into wanting to just get stronger, get better, and um, start training. And wrestling was definitely a big help. Um, I remember as a freshman wrestling, uh, I wrestled for Hilltop High School, and they were a great wrestling team, um, wrestling school. You know, I had some good training partners who also uh, started mixed martial arts training right after high school, and uh, they helped me out along with my brothers and we started uh, buying DVDs. That was the first time we started uh, seeing UFC and MMA. Uh, we would go to a place called The Warehouse back in the day or Sam Goodies that would sell DVDs of Pride, uh, a mixed martial arts organization from Japan, really well known. Obviously, they, they them and the UFC were the two uh, biggest MMA promotions and yeah I remember my senior year of high school we would go and save our money and go buy DVDs and watch the fights because you they were already there was no pay-per-views it would just turn into or there probably was we just didn't know about it because we weren't on the internet or any Facebook social media anything like that so we would just wait until we go to the mall and then 
find another video, we'd look at the submission and then we'd practice it on each other with practically the blind leading the blind. And then we started developing some techniques easy that way. And then I remember in Chula Vista where I grew up, uh, we found out that Ken Shamrock had a gym. It was called the Lion's Den. And it was on Third Avenue at the very, very end um, on Third Avenue. And I wanna say Palomar or something like that. So it was kind of in the hood of Chula Vista. So we went there one day to go train and, and that's where I saw Dean Lister for the first time. And he was training with uh, Vernon Tiger White, another MMA fighter. And um, we saw him fight. We knew Ken. Sh we knew of Ken Shamrock, and we were just excited. We never actually got to training in that gym. We just kind of watched, and I had it in the back of my head that yeah, that was something very cool. That I thought that was so, you know, just out of my, you know, storyline that I had no idea that I would ever participate in that. But. Um, you know, I just had this urge, I guess, right out of high school when everybody was going to junior college and uh, college, I didn't want to go to school. I hated school. I really did. I, school just wasn't for me. Uh, at the time, I would tell my parents I was going to college, but I would really go off. And um, that's where I learned of uh, Fabio Santos. And uh, that's where Dean was training his jujitsu. He was teaching, he was actually a brown belt at uh, Fabio Santos. So uh, I went there and the very first month that I signed up at Fabio Santos was uh, the same month that Dean had gotten kicked out of the gym for whatever reason I didn't know. I was just some young 17 year old, 18 year old, whatever it was, who just knew nothing about anything and then went in and then the guy who, the big name who I knew you know, was getting kicked out and then a bunch of people left, a bunch of his friends left and uh, Greg McIntyre uh, followed Dean and then they started, uh, Dean started teaching at City Boxing. So City Boxing was like the first MMA gym that I started training at and it's in downtown. Um, it was a really good story because that's where I met uh, Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera was a, he was just starting his MMA career he was the Muay Thai instructor there at City Boxing. Dean was the jujitsu instructor. So um, I would get, you know, I signed up there at City Boxing thinking I'm gonna take on this new journey as becoming a MMA fighter. And um, it was hard. It, I would go in there and it was, you know, back in the day you would get your ass kicked for sure. Your first day of training people looked at you just like licking their chops, like, oh, let me, you know, try this new move out on this guy. And back then too, it wasn't really structured great. Like um, we were literally overflowing the mats and rolling off the mats. There was that many students and the mat, wow. you had to roll it out <clears throat> and it got rolled back in and it was the same area, never got cleaned, <laughs> but it was the same area where they would do the kickboxing class right after where it's, and um, so, so yeah, it was it was it wasn't that popular, but it was very popular. Like, obviously, when when I went in there, and and it was huge. It was a little gym, but it was it was so many, so many great people I I met from that gym and helped me get to that next 
uh, you know, level. And then after city boxing, um, Dean got signed to, I want to say, no, he, he was fighting already, got signed to pride. He was the king of the cage champion and then signed with pride. So he went and fought in Japan. So, um, I very quickly became like, um, cause I would go to the gym every single day. Um, you know, I would train with great and great guys, helpers like Greg McIntyre or Raul Arvisu, who is the head coach and who uh, founded Entrum, um, which is in Tijuana. And uh, that's where Brandon Moreno, UFC champion yeah. came from, you know. Um, yeah, those guys were my two mentors. When Dean was gone, uh, I would look up to Raul and Greg. They would help me out so much. They would kick my butt, but also help me out. Um, and then Brandon also, as far as striking and wrestling, he was amazing. Um, great coach. And then I just knew I wanted to start fighting MMA. And so with about maybe two or three months of training, um, I guess four months of training because I did train at Fabio Santos for like about three weeks before I realized hey, where did everybody go? And then I followed him over to uh, city boxing. So about like four months of training, I asked uh, to fight my first MMA fight. I asked, you know, the manager if he could put me on the, the list because uh, I want to fight already. And they said, oh, yeah, we have this show coming up. It's called Total Combat. And um, we'll, put you, uh, we'll put you down. I think you're good enough. You can, you can have your first fight. So... Um, I was like, I, I went ahead and went full force with that, started training. Um, the, the fight was about, you know, a month out, I think it was. So my makeshift training camp with my one, my two coaches, obviously, who I looked up to was uh, my two main head coaches was Dean for jujitsu and MMA, and then Brandon also for striking and MMA. And then, um, and then my leading up to that first MMA fight, it was probably the scariest, but I, I was so motivated to go and, and get it out of the way with and, and go and fight somebody else, you know, in a cage um, that uh, I just, I just, I couldn't stop. I loved it. I became obsessed with it every day. I would train twice a day, sometimes three times a day, you know, um, and then, yeah, I remember Total Combat was so disorganized. It was crazy. I went to the weigh-ins to go weigh in from the day before my fight. My opponent wasn't even there. So I didn't even know if I was going to fight or not. And then uh, they told me his name was Cub Swanson. And I was <laughs> like, Cub Swanson, what a dork. Like, who would name their, <laughs> you know, Cub, right? You know? And then I found out his name was actually Kevin, and that was his nickname was Cub. And this guy was like a, a terror out there in Indio or Palm, Spr Palm Springs, wherever he was from. And then I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I'm fighting this guy, the, the, the you know, super tough guy, but he didn't even make it to weigh-ins, so I don't even know if he's going to make it to the fight. So this fight was actually took place in, in Tijuana because uh, MMA wasn't sanctioned yet back then in 2004. It wasn't sanctioned in the state of California. Uh, so we had to go fight in Mexico, and I still didn't know who my opponent was, what he looked like. Um, I knew his name, 
So I remember Herb Dean got all, all of us together at the rules meeting, and <clears throat> it was in some nightclub in Mexico, you know? So I, we had to sell our own tickets, and I remember I sold probably close to about 200 tickets. Damn. Out of all my friends, yeah, because Hilltop and TJ are so close to each other, so a bunch of my friends from high school. I have a huge family as it is. Um, I have a lot of friends, you know, they all bought tickets from me. So I probably gave this promoter, I don't know, close to, I, I don't even know how much it was, but I gave him all the money for the tickets. Um, I remember finally, by the time I finally saw my opponent, he was standing across the cage from me and he was all tatted up and I was super scared and he was jumping around and, uh, I see Herb Dean in the middle and then I'm like, okay, oh, here we go. This is my first fight. Here we go. And I, honestly, it was just like, um, I was just in the zone to be honest, like flow state, flow state for sure. And before I even realized what that was, you know, I think all the, all the skating that I used to do back before, uh, when I was a teenager, like 14, 15 years old, I was a pro uh, skater, uh, it was not skateboarder, professional aggressive inline skating. So it was rollerblades, right? But I was sponsored and um, we would go, I had my, you know, anyways, I did that, all that, and I skated in competitions beforehand. So I got used to like people looking at me and, uh, you know, it's your time to go, here's the show, you know, so all that nervous energy I was able to kind of deal with. I had already done that before, I had that experience. So I think that helped me definitely for this fight because I was in the zone and, um, and I'm staring at him across the cage. The Herb Dean says, go ahead and fight. We go out there and we, there was some small exchange and then all I realize is like I'm on his back and I have his neck. So I knew to just start choking him. And um, luckily the fight was over pretty quickly in the first round. Um, it was good, amazing, great feeling, euphoria after you win a fight. You put that much you know, time and effort and you visualize it and it happened and everything went well and great. And it was a great experience. It was amazing. My, my dad was there, my brothers were there, you know. Um, so that was fun. It was just, it's like, it's an addiction after that. Yeah. You know? So I knew going back to college wasn't for me on that. So I was just gonna go full bore with MMA. Um, I think I won my first three fights and then until I lost one. And then uh, after my first loss, uh, I remember them, uh, Eric Del Fierro, the promoter, uh, for Total Combat, the owner of Total Combat, he called me up and said, yeah, Cub wants a, a, a rematch or whatever. And at that time I was, you know, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. I don't care. So I did. And actually it was th the worst time ever to take a fight because uh, California, California had just gotten sanctioned. So we were going to fight instead of in Mexico, we were going to be able to fight in you know in Del Mar at the fairgrounds, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. So let's go ahead and do it. But simultaneously, um, Dean was leaving Pride and got signed to the UFC. 
So Dean wasn't able to help me in my training at all during that training camp. I actually didn't really have a head coach. Uh, I just had a bunch of training partners and I'm not trying to create any excuses. It was just the, um, I don't recommend this. If you, if you are a new fighter, if you're, you know, a, a, a new person starting your MMA career, you definitely want to find a head coach. You definitely want to find some good training partners and, um, and stick with them and listen to them because that's prob pretty much in general on any uh, subject matter, right? You want to learn from somebody who knows a lot more than you and who has experienced it. So that's when uh, Greg and Raul really helped out my training partners. When I didn't have coaches, those kind of became my coaches. But um, it wasn't enough. Uh, I lost that one. So I had lost two in a row after winning three in a row. So now my record was like almost at, you know, 50%, which in my eyes sucked. So, um, so I thought, you know, what do I have to do? I have to just go back to the drawing board, uh, regather everything, uh, set up a training camp, an actual training camp, make sure my head coach was gonna be there at my fight because um, like I was telling you, um, after your, you know, uh, jujitsu tournaments that you've gone to, when I went to my first, probably 25 jujitsu tournaments, I never had a coach. We would just go enter and that's it. You know, my brothers were, you know, uh, cheering me on in the coach's seat, uh, or my, or Greg, you know, or Raul. And, um, you know, that it's just, yeah, so definitely want to do things the right way, the correct way, I would say. And um, yeah, that, that helped me out a lot. I, um, structuring it, um, having the experience of winning and losing. And then I luckily went on, like, I think it was an eight. I'm not sure exactly. It was like an eight fight winning streak after that. Damn. And then the UFC had called me, um, uh, the matchmaker called my phone. Uh, and he said, Shannon, this is Joe Silva. How are you doing? Uh, I have you under uh, no manager. So I'm talking to you and I'm asking you if you would like to fight in four weeks out. Anderson Silva is going to be the, uh, the main event. He's going to go up in weight fighting against a guy by the name of James Irving, who is just coming off of a big win. And um, it was, they were actually trying to come up with a, put together a fight card to um, basically um, take viewers off of Affliction, which was the first show that they started, I think was back, uh, backed by Donald Trump. I may be wrong on that, but I'm not sure. Um, so anyways, the UFC was trying to uh, do an event the same day as Affliction, another MMA uh, event, you know, on the same day, same time. So they, for free at the Palms, the UFC was going to be for free. So you had to pay for Affliction or watch the UFC for free. And they put Anderson Silva, one of their biggest stars, as the main event. So they really wanted to, like, stick it to them at that time, which I thought was a good uh good for them or whatever which also means you had a lot of eyes on you exactly which also had gave me a great opportunity you know to get my opportunity to to fight in the ufc 
And um, actually, it's a funny story on that phone call when Joe Silva called me and asked me to fight in the UFC. I thought it was just a joke, and I hung up on him for the first time. <laughs> so um, he called me back right away, and I looked at the number, and it was coming from, uh, I, I think it's 702 is Vegas. the area code, and that's Vegas, right? 702? Yeah. Um, so, and he start, he told me, it's not a joke. This is the day, you know, <laughs> Shannon, this, and then I was like, okay, well, shit, this is, I better start training. Yes. My answer was yes. I didn't ask for what my money was. I didn't ask for what, cause by the way, after my first, um, fight down there at, um, where was it? Baby rock or Tangaloo, one of the nightclubs in downtown. I forget where I fought, fought cub in TJ in TJ that I sold like 200 tickets to. Yeah. I got paid $200 for yeah. that fight. After Dollar that a fight. ticket. $200. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Eric. Um, anyways, <laughs> who cares about that? Money wasn't, money still isn't even, I don't do it for money. I don't even teach for money. You know, yeah. I do what I love and then the money will follow. Yeah. That's for sure what my whole mindset and theory is in life. So, um, so yeah, that pretty much brought me to the UFC. And then, um, luckily I won my first fight, um, pretty similar to how, uh, I won my very first MMA fight against Cub. Um, and then I pretty much, uh, had five fights in the UFC. I fought there for two, a little over two years. I think it was in the um, UFC. Yeah. In the UFC. Um, I shouldn't have taken my last fight because the, it was a short notice fight and I was just coming off of a loss and I didn't really have the expertise on and knowledge of knowing that, oh shit, they might cut me or I could get cut after yeah. this. So I just wanted to help out and say, yeah, and get my, get a win back. But, um, they gave me Clay Guida in altitude, um, you know, tough opponent, super nice guy. Um, and uh, yeah, he beat me and they gave me my walking papers after that, after they cut me after that. And then they went, uh, go ahead, go on. You're free to go and fight in any other promotion you want. And uh, I, I actually, right after I got cut, I got a lot of uh, people started emailing me in from organizations that I had no idea of from all over, all over the world, really. Um, you know, I, I, I went back to being a trainer at the gym that I was working at. We had since then left city boxing a long time ago and went to the boxing club for a little while. I taught there. Um, and then we left and went to, uh, open up Jocko's gym, which was called Throwdown originally. And they changed the name from Throwdown to Victory. Um, there's a long story about that one, but yeah, I was the first, I literally helped put in the mats at victory at throwdown, whatever you want to call it at that time. I literally helped, uh, install the cage. Um, yeah, I, I taught every single class there from the kids class from the 6:30 AM beginner class, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would teach the 11 AM uh, uh, MMA class, which was 
pretty crazy because um, you know Dominic Cruz would would show up sometimes in there. You know, we would get a, a, a whole bunch of great fighters. Um, you know, uh, John uh, Jan. Uh, <laughs> I can't even say his last name, but he was training with us at that time. The Polish, you know, uh, superstar now. Um, there was a lot of great fighters, a lot of great fighters. So I want to take a step back real quick because you said something really important. Um, when you went into the UFC for that first fight, and you mentioned this about your first fight against Cub, when you, you had mentioned visualization, right? So how much of your success in the UFC, in fighting, in business, how much of visualization, like how, does that play a big role for you? Absolutely, absolutely. You couldn't have hit it more on the head than that, yeah. Um, visualization, I would visualize the fight and winning the fight and just visualize anything that could go wrong during the fight. I would do this even before knowing to do this, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, before I even knew that that was like a, a thing, you know, um, I would visualize a lot, uh, but just putting myself in bad scenarios, in difficult scenarios, which uh, definitely um, Dean, Jocko, Raul, Greg, Toby, Imada, oh my God, that's another person who just helped me in my MMA career, leaps and bounds, you know, he was just so, such a great training partner. Um, yeah, so um, visualizing, um, I learned a lot from, from those guys. They, they would tell me, uh, you know, to visualize uh, after, after getting beat up, after training one round, they would yell, put your hands up, put your hands up, walk around, you know, you won this fight, yeah, and you know, just visualizing that and bringing you to the point of total exhaustion where you can't think of anything else but what is in front of you right here and I know you know what I'm talking about because that happens all the time when you're training in jujitsu against somebody better than you or at your level and they're taking you to that point where they're putting you into positions and making you make decisions that on the fly that you have to make uh, you know the right decisions otherwise you're gonna get strangled right you know right or your arm broken so yeah um yeah visualizing is huge 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 this is so funny because just the other day i came home from the gym and my wife uh had you know four of her friends her best friends over there at the house and they're literally making uh vision boards yeah on my kitchen table <laughs> and it was awesome you know i got it, one it, it just brought me back to you know i haven't done that for a while so i need to do that and i'm every day now looking at her her vision board you know and i can see it's clear cut there it is right there it's staring you in the face every day when you wake up and it helps you get as soon as if you you start you know your mind starts getting off track it brings you right back to that what your you know focus is yeah and um definitely helps you yeah i think the vision boards you know people look at some of this visualization and the law of attraction and vision board like they think it's magic and you know one day way back they thought electricity was magic right so there's science that explains all of this and i think it's the subconscious mind that people don't realize how much of an impact it has on the rest of your mind and why training that just like any other part of your uh 
whether you're a fighter, whether you're in business, I think training your subconscious is actually the most important thing because that impacts everything else. But you had mentioned that. Totally agree. I totally agree. You mentioned that seeing the vision board helps kind of bring you back on track. And there's a metaphor of a captain of a ship, right? When you take a ship from one place to another, um, you might be going in a straight line, but you're constantly pivoting the ship back on. And if you don't have eyes on the target, if you don't have the end goal in mind, uh, then you're going to, if you're not making those small adjustments, you're going to steer off and all of a sudden a little tiny adjustment sends you off in a whole other direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the visualization is so important. Now, when you went from working for other gyms and then amidst the COVID pandemic, you opened up your own gym while everybody else was shutting down uh, and not just opened a gym, but successfully had a community that's thriving and somehow still keeping a tight knit community and not selling out as some would say, and, and keeping the community small, even though you might want to make more money, but you don't because you value the community over that. So tell people a little bit about that challenge going through the pandemic, opening your gym. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was definitely a huge uh, leap of faith that I had to take. Um, not just for like me, but my family also. Um, I knew that I always wanted to be an owner of the gym you know I didn't want to just always work for other gym owners because that was kind of the way my life and my my whole career uh, has been it was just we were going from one gym to the next gym and then the next gym so I knew in 2020 um, as everything the pandemic started happening and I knew a lot of people were getting scared to even take jujitsu class uh, because they didn't want that human to human contact. They were all, everybody was so afraid of COVID right. um, that, you know, the, the classes started dying at the gym. And not to mention, I knew that there was a timer when they were going to shut it down because we heard. And I knew that the what I do is contact it's it's and it's there's nothing going to change about that I'm not going to stop training jujitsu I'm not going to stop training wrestling yeah. I'm not going to stop hitting mitts right you know um I need my training partners like I need water yeah. you know I need my students also because that that they are also training partners not just training physically but me mentally training me mentally thinking on what i'm what type of curriculum i'm going to teach to these new jujitsu practitioners or what type of uh curriculum am i going to teach to these you know blue purple brown belts who already know the basics and fundamentals who are over that and they want to learn the more newer cooler uh the new move what's going on you know um, whatever that may be, I have to keep everybody engaged. So, um, yeah, that was super scary for me, but I knew I had to do it. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do because one of my best friends was the owner of the gym that I had to quit and basically leave and, um, go off on my own. And 
I needed to do it for, like I said, not just myself, but for my family. My wife was encouraging me to go ahead and do it because that's all I would talk about all day, every day. Um, You know, we had very little money in our savings at that time. And she said, take all of it and open the gym. Quit the gym. Quit, quit the, quit where you're at right now because I know you're not as happy as you can be as happy as you want to be. So you take all that money and open the gym. And that was the scariest probably week of my life because that was when I was actually going to go to the bank and take the money and start buying mats and rent the space, you know, and I needed help. I had no idea. So I needed mentors. So luckily I have, uh, I had some mentors like uh, Eric Vaca, who is a great real estate broker uh, uh, San Diego finest city homes and loans. Uh, so he's a great friend of mine and, uh, he helped me find, uh, um, uh, an agent to find me a commercial place building that was that I can, you know, afford and throw some mats in and call it a gym and, you know, uh, hey, let's start this. Let's start this jujitsu academy because that's all I wanted to do was teach jujitsu, and that's the only way that I made money was personal training, holding pads, and teaching people how to strike, how to wrestle, how to do jujitsu. So that was my way of life. That was my 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 identity. So with the pandemic coming and shutting everything down, it basically put me in almost a state of depression. Yeah, you know. But with my wife being luckily married to the right person she believed in me more than i believed in myself and told me to just go ahead and do it so you know i'm lucky to be married to lola gugurdi you know she's done so much for me and obviously we we've created this great family i have uh a little daughter and who I can't wait to start teaching jujitsu, <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to be her jujitsu instructor. I'm going to help out, but I want her to have her own jujitsu instructor. I think it's very important for that as a parent, um, because I know, I know how to be a good parent. I have been teaching kids jujitsu for over 25 years. I have, I taught Jocko's Jocko taught me how to teach. Uh, I was Jocko's assistant when he would teach the kids jujitsu class. He showed me how, you know, um, my very, my only other, um, uh, job that I had besides teaching, fighting, teaching jujitsu gym job was actually, a after school program supervisor. It was called the dash program dynamic after school hours. So it was two hours every day at an elementary school. Um, and we would uh, come up with, uh, we would play games, but it was structured. There was a structure to it. You did, they would come in, you know, they put their bags in a certain, so it was actually preparing me to teach, you know, later on in life to help with, uh, you know, the little things that not just the, you know, techniques on, or, or the game that we're playing, the little things behind it, like having a good relationship with that parent or knowing where this kid is, or knowing about like their parent, right. why their parent is coming mm-hmm. late all the time, you know, 10 minutes late all the time, you know, ta- not just, you know, talking to 
kids and their family and knowing where they come from. And luckily for me, I'm coming from, uh, my mother was a, a former elementary school teacher for 30 plus years. And my dad was a former elementary school principal, you know, for 30 plus years. So um, I kind of came from that family of it's funny that educators. you hated school. Yeah, right? Because my, my dad's a teacher too, <laughs> and my mom was a school nurse for a while, and I hated school. Yeah. I think that's kind of one of the things that makes people get the entrepreneurial bug is um, not liking authority and being told what to do and knowing that they can take advice from other people and there's other people that know better. But when you have that intuition of running your own ship, like like you had the intuition that you needed to do this. Like It was almost like it was planned out before you know for you right like it's weird how things like that happen and uh it's so funny uh sorry to steer but the it's it's funny because the way that we met was funny because donald who worked for me you were related to <clears throat> well before i met donald i had actually trained at tbc when you were at tbc and you were the coach there so i had known you through tbc and then COVID happened, everything shut down. And then Donald's like, hey, my uncle is opening up his own gym. You should go. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll go. And then I remember going and being like, wait, I, my first class I met, like, uh, you know, um, Pedro was there. Uh, a, co a couple people that I he's had. He's a monster, huh? He's a savage. He's he, a yeah. monster. But a couple of these guys that I had met at TBC under your class, um, right when you were kind of leaving there, I was like, wait, I think I know you guys. And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, this is the same guy. Like, what What are the chances of that, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just um, the amount my life has changed because of jujitsu and because of your gym which is Rise Above in San Diego. And if you're looking to start jujitsu or go take a class, by far the best gym out there. Very small, tight-knit community. Um, but We have 65 members. Yeah, yeah. So, which is, you know, there's some gyms that and have. And we had <laughs> at one point during the pandemic, we were up to around 80. And um, yeah, we have, we have about 65 members. We had about... 80 during the pandemic about 10 of them went back to victory which i totally understand and um, they're all my friend like they just were training with us because victory was closed at that time and now they went back to victory because yeah that's their coaches and they you know they have a they have a connection with them for over years you know so i totally understand that and i never ever get upset at any of my students if they ever have to leave my gym or if they decide to go to another gym because they like it better then awesome for them i i i cheer them on whatever they want to do and um yeah i mean i feel like rise above has definitely been successful with the amount of students that we've had and i've literally haven't even spent a penny on marketing Yep. You know, you're the one that I've, I'm learning to do more social media and more, you know, podcasts and whatnot. Um, and I know I should, and I'm just not that type of person. I'm kind of like, you know, very, um, to myself, I'm old school, I guess. I'm, I, I don't really like to put all my stuff out there, you know, but I know it's, 
it, it's actually in this day and age, you kind of have to, you know, yeah. you have to. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, with, with, <clears throat> with that amount um, of students that I have plenty to, I have plenty of kids alone to pay, you know, the, the rent on yeah. my building. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've only had a, a, a two handfuls uh, of people that actually had to cancel their membership. So I still have some, you know, that members that they, they, they train at Rise Above, but they, they've taken a couple, you know, weeks or even a month or two off. And then I call them, I'm like, hey, what's up? How, how are you doing? Are you, do you want me to quit? No, 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 Shannon, it's all good. I'm, I'm still, I'll be back, you know? So I'm just taking a couple, I'm taking a little break, whatever it may be, my, my, um, at my office, I got to do something or whatever their excuse is, but they're all saying, I'm going to come back. Don't worry. I'm just taking a little break. Okay, cool. No worries. All good. I'll see you. And I, I and I do see them. Yeah. They come back. Right. So it's not like um, <clears throat> I have a lot of people ever like canceling their membership or anything like that. And then, so it's great. You know, I love the community, the little team that I've, I've built and the atmosphere that, it, that I provide that we have created yeah. in Rise Above. And it's just not just me. It's, you know, the, the team. And yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because when I travel, I train every time I travel for the most part. So I'll find a gym. I'll go train. That's like, I don't. Awesome. Yeah. I, well, I just don't want to. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I also get to see like how great we have it. Right. Because this was my second gym but really my only gym that i've really consistently you know i mean been because it's the only gym i train at right and <laughs> when i go to other places i get to see how they do it and when i walk into rise above everybody whether you're new whether you know somebody everybody's welcoming everybody's supportive there's no bullies there's no like no yeah, dicks they, they don't the last long yeah and or we <laughs> change their mindset because there has been a few out of you know and like just a simple like Definitely, I think Jocko has helped me with that, that part of like, you can't just yell at somebody and tell them they're a dick, yeah. you know, or, hey, put your shoes on. They don't know that, you know, yeah. or they don't know that they're being a dick by neck cranking them. So you have to, you know, show them or take them off to the side and say it in a nice way and explain to them and some most people don't even know that they're being a dick you know yeah and i think that's a big thing that people who are looking to get into it are worried about right they worry that they're going to come in and there's some fighters or they're you know what they have this misconception of what it's going to be like and i wish that more people like would, how it was at city boxing when i first signed <laughs> up and walked in, <laughs> walk in and just get <laughs> fucked up but but that's the thing and and also with your gym there's a mix of like there's pro fighters there's people who are uh, high level military guys there are cops there's some navy you know, seals yeah yeah there's uh, yeah train killers <laughs> yeah literally and 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 everybody is like soccer moms too yeah and that's the thing and and they could go out and fuck shit up in the real world, you know? <laughs> but one thing that I think is important to understand is the reason why your gym does so well is because you've built community, right? The reason why people aren't leaving and why this is sustainable too is because you've invested in the culture, even though it's a smaller group, your retention is a lot higher. You don't have to worry about people, you know? So like there's other gyms that have 10 times, 100 times the members, but they have this constant churn and guess what? 
people, you can run out of people at some point. You can't, you can only go so big. So I think that focusing on retention and just being genuinely, your intentions are just so good for your students and just for the community. But one thing that I want to kind of challenge you on is I don't, I hate it when people use the excuse of like, I'm not a social media guy. It's like you're building <laughs> a community in a different way that you don't get yet. So I think that you are a community builder. You just haven't done it online and you don't want to look fake because, right. you know, because that's what a lot of people. Right. And, and, and to be honest, I come from the generation of when I fought in the UFC, it was a little bit before the Conor McGregor generation. Yeah. Whereas you know, fuck you, look at me, I'm the best, you know, and then, you know, I'm more of, like, not me in my uh, abilities-wise, or, or, but I am more of the mentality of, like, more of J George St. Pierre, of, like, be humble, and, you know, be, be a nice guy, don't be a dick, you know, um, yeah, that's it, be humble after your win, you, you, and still, even to this day, I am humble, I never, you know, would scream. I try, I help my partners up uh, if it's a jujitsu match and I sub them out or whatever, you know, um, it's all love, you know, that's, that, that's what, that's how I am. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and it's so genuine too. Like the, dude, the, the first, I remember the, so my first tournament, right. Um, I, I've done so much growing at the gym. Like it has been, and, and it's all because of you and the community you've built. But I remember my first tournament, I was so excited, but also so nervous. And I overthought and I was sick. I think I may have ended up having COVID. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I just wasn't mentally, you don't know till right. you know, right? right? And a tournament is crazy because you don't know who you're going against. You don't know what their level is. And uh, I lost, I lost both of my uh, uh, matches and it was just like, you didn't get subbed though, right? I did on both did of them. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I just gassed out, which is weird because I'm I think. thinking of your, your last two that I was watching. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that one was, uh, yeah. And I remember Dean Lister was there coaching right beside <laughs> you. And I was like, oh, great. Okay. Now Dean Lister. And, you know, it was just kind of funny. And, um, but I remember the feeling that I had when I left and I felt like such a fucking failure, right? Like I just felt. I don't know. I knew that I was better than that. And I didn't realize how much of a, cause I was better than both of those guys. I know that for a fact, it was the mental side that I just, I, I wasn't as mentally strong at the time that I thought I was. Yeah. And you called me afterwards and you gave me this, this short, sweet, but very genuine talk that, that motivated me to realize that like, yeah, this, you know, there's no changing it, but I went out there, I did it. And my next tournament I lost, but not as bad. You know, I only went against one guy and he was like a good wrestler and he smoked me. Um, and then my last tournament. But you, 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 you knew that you were getting better already. Even though you lost, you knew from that tournament to that tournament, you knew you were getting better just yeah. by that little experience. Right, huh? yeah. And then my last, the most recent tournament, um, where I just went on a, I felt like I went on a tear, you, you know? Did. And you did. And, what I realized was the mental side of things, you know, I, what I didn't do in my last tournament was I didn't stay up all night thinking about it. I didn't even, I didn't research my opponents, even though I had seven opponents, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care. Right. And I went in there and I just like something you, you told me like, stop being so nice. Like you're, you're high-fiving <laughs> your, them, like they're my buddies. And like, I want to be, I'm a friendly person, you know, but 
but I have this in me and you, you allowed me to pull that out. And, and I just fucking kept winning and winning and winning. And it felt until you got to the finals, right? Yeah. When I got finals. disqualified, <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's a whole another story. podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh my god. That was yeah. You almost had you we almost had to fight some <laughs> some Brazilian female referee. Well, who was it was twice the, other the size team. of both of us. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, and the other team too, yeah. yeah but that, anyways, we'll we'll save that for another I'll day. I'll shoot a YouTube video about that. That was a <laughs> that was crazy. But but what I learned from that was you learned that, a lot. Yeah, I mean it's You grew so much. I saw from I saw Kevin growing from his very first tournament till what was that your third yeah. I think now yeah. yeah so you've you've only had three tournaments that you've done and I've seen you grow leaps and bounds like I, I, enormously enormously from the first tournament to the last tournament you were literally in the finals like yeah yeah but it translates to business. It translates to every other walk of life, which is why I think that more people need to do jujitsu or right. something similar. And I agree, hundred percent. I agree. It, it totally, you know, is something that, you know, whoever it may be, a CEO or whatever they're good at in their business or whatever. Once they <laughs> go and do jujitsu, they're gonna probably, most likely suck and be the worst person in the room but it, it afterwards and after coming back to that you've already built a bridge and you already got stronger by just coming back after you know you're you have this you know ego or whatever that you're the boss and then you go somewhere where you're the lowest person on the totem pole yeah. and there's something awesome about that right learning a new skill and just sucking just a little less yeah. every day at it. I, my first day at the gym, I remember, uh, so in jujitsu, when you're brand new, people will let you win, right? Like they kind of like give you a pass and maybe some people won't, but, but for the most part, they're being nice, especially the higher level belt guys. And I remember uh, my first day, uh, I got wrecked by a, a, a guy who was a Navy SEAL at the gym. <laughs> And he just fucked me up. And then the second day I came in, I was like, you know, all right, I'm going to do this different, whatever, you know. And and I submitted him. And, oh, my God, I'm going to be so good. I remember going home and talking to my girlfriend and being like, I submitted a Navy SEAL. He's a purple belt, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I did. I had no idea that he just rolled over and let me do that, right? Because he's so humble and he wants people, you know, like he's not a dick. And so I'm telling Karina, like, oh, my, you know. I submitted this Navy SEAL, like, I'm going to be so fucking good at this. And then the next day I remember when he turned it on and it was like, boom, 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 done out, <laughs> you know? And, uh, jujitsu is so humbling because it's this up down of like, you realize that you can be great and then there's so much more work to do. And then, you know, it's just constant, like roller coaster of growth. And absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like that chart where I guess in my way it'll go this way, but for you looking at it, you're going up, you're learning a little bit, but then some days you're flat and then some days you suck a little bit worse, you know, or, yeah. and then you get better and then you go flat yep. and then you get worse and then you get flat. But yeah. when you look at it at the end, you started down here and now 
you're so close to that blue belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I feel it. Yeah. So, so if somebody is looking to get into jujitsu, um, I feel like a lot of people hesitate, right? And um, they don't really know where to start. And there right. are bad gyms, right? There's gyms that, I mean, just like anywhere. Right. So, so how does somebody, no matter where they are, which if they're in San Diego, the number one gym you need to go to is Rise Above <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu Club. I appreciate that. But honestly, there are so many good gyms in San Diego. You're lucky if you are starting jiu-jitsu and you live in San Diego because you have a plethora of gyms to choose from. You know, um, there are so many good ones. And honestly, if you haven't trained, um, the chances of you staying at that first gym that you go into are very unlikely. As a matter of fact, I encourage you, if you've never trained, to go and train at a couple different gyms and don't sign up at your first gym that you go to. Go and try out a couple, take the week trial or whatever it may be. Some gyms have better, you know, some. And if some don't have a week, uh, like a, a trial and wanna try and sign you up from after the very first class you did and they're putting pressure on you, there's something wrong with that gym, you know? Or not, I'm not saying that gym or that, um, you know, that, that manager or he's trying to make his quota for that month or who knows what it may be, but it's not supposed to be like that. You're going into a martial arts academy. You're trying to learn a new, develop a new skill. And still, you just did it physically. You gotta kind of analyze and see if this is gonna be great for you, if this is gonna work for you, um, if this is gonna work for you and your family. Um, is, you know, there's a whole bunch of other factors that play involved. Is this close to my work? Am I gonna be able to make it to class? Or am I gonna miss, am I gonna get off halfway during the, the class, you know? Uh, is this a gym that um, I think my kids might be able to go to? Oh, if not, then let's find that kid's gym then where my kid might be able to go to because I, I definitely recommend putting your kid into jujitsu um, as soon as possible um, just to get them to for develop movement and it's just a, a fun little game it's it should be more like almost like soccer like we're playing it's not you're not learning the, you're not learning how to uh, choke or, or, or strangle a kid out you know <laughs> your first week you know you should be just having fun getting on the mats you know it should be a game we should you should play it should be you know they should think of just like going to jujitsu is just like going to soccer practice but actually the coach slips in like little um self-defense techniques that they don't even know that they're aware of you know like for instance a game is like touch the foot you know uh go and you know try and touch the foot or with the kids when they have the gi on we'll put like um a belt behind their belt and then they try and grab the belt, you know? So it's like kind of like a game. They're kind of competing against each other, but they're both laughing and, and blocking hands and using hand movement to block and maneuvering their body around. And they're not just running away, you know? They're confronting their problem. They're looking their person in the eye. These are all great things for children to develop, you know? And that's gonna help out in other sports as well, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Shannon, where can people follow you? Uh, 
social media, I guess. Uh, Instagram, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a, um, I have a website uh, for Rise Above and then pretty much my Instagram. That's how, uh, or they can call up Kevin and then Kevin will yeah, yeah. Hit me up. Well, we're going to put all of your social media, your Thank website, you. all of that stuff um, in the uh, in the link. But go follow Shannon. If you are in San Diego, please come take a, a free class. Um, I don't just do jujitsu too. Uh, we, you know, it's a jujitsu academy. In terms of, uh, it is a dojo. You know, it is a martial arts academy, which we. It is also a jujitsu academy, but I also do private training, personal training, one on one. I teach jujitsu. I teach wrestling. I teach Muay Thai. I teach boxing. You know, um, we're doing I teach a, MMA. We're doing so. an MMA private right after this. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. One thirty, two o'clock, whatever Remember, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So absolutely. Whenever you want, I teach uh, kids from six years old um, all the way up to ninety nine years, a hundred years old. However, whoever wants to come and train, please, you're more than welcome to come in and check out my gym. And there's going to be no pressure in signing you up. I promise you that. Yeah, highly recommend. Shannon, thank you so much <laughs> for coming. You. If you can leave our audience with one last positive message, what is it? Um, just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. And, you know, you don't want to die with those, you know, ghosts in your closet. Go and go out and try and do what you want to do. You know, I never thought I, I, I thank COVID for happening because I think without COVID, it never would have pushed me over to go ahead and take that leap of faith and open up my own dojo right amazing thank you so much for thank coming, you Shannon. thank you thank you Bye. Bye. Bye.